Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want a bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 15 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. And with me, as always, is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our Director of Predictive Analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. In this episode, we are breaking down the players at the top of our rankings, which are available at actionnetwork.com fantasy. We are discussing the guys we are high and low on, and we are speculating on some props. Gentlemen, before we jump into week 15, let's look back briefly at week 14. There were a lot of injuries, especially at wide receiver and tight end. It was a week strewn with randomness. How was it for you guys, and what caught your eye most? One of the things that surprised me the most uh, week 14 was just how good the Titans offense is right now. Um, And this is coming from somebody that uh, was touting Ryan Hills, my top QB streamer last week. You know, I have a ton of Derrick Henry um, best ball. Uh, He's probably my highest owned running back aside from Latavius Murray. But still, you know, just seeing the points they're putting up and how reliable they are in fantasy, it still shocked me. If you told me before the season started that I'd have Ryan Tannehill ranked as a top 10 QB heading into the fantasy playoffs, that would have been one of the crazier things um, that you could have told me before the season started. It's surprising how, you know, heading into this week, they can support a top 10 QB and a top three running back, and that running back isn't even involved in the passing game. Um, so that's just one of the things that's stuck out the most to me as week 14 is we have to take this Titans offense seriously. So two things. One, A.J. Brown, uh, I think, is fascinating. He's going – it looks like he's going to be a great player moving forward, especially next year. Andre Johnson is the comp that I, I have for him that just that's the comp I had before he entered the draft that's what he looks like he's just this big bodied athletic guy out there who can get lots of yards after the catch and then the second thing a friend of mine who is a Chiefs fan by the way and has Mahomes and Tannehill on his <laughs> fantasy team 
texted and said, I can't start Tannehill over Mahomes this week, right? But like <laughs> the fact that it's even in the conversation is something that you might even think about is, uh, is pretty amazing at this point of the year. Rayvon, what struck you? Uh, a couple of things. Number one is something that I think we've been seeing for like the last three or four weeks now. And the Jaguars defense looks like it just quit. Started talking about that with Stucky on the betting pod a few weeks ago. And it's just every week now, they're just giving up tons of yards on the ground, just no resistance whatsoever. So that, that kind of stuck out. And then one of those things we always talk about is like balancing the matchup with the, you know, the player and not over adjusting. And I think Drew Brees really kind of stuck out as, as a guy who, you know, we, I think we all had ranked pretty low and, and just like, I didn't see that shootout coming. Uh, I know a couple of San Francisco defenders uh, got hurt throughout that game, but if, if you would have told me Drew Brees was going to account for six touchdowns for a Saints team, that's usually, you know, been a little bit more kind of balanced this year and in years past. And uh, I, I just wouldn't have seen it. So that's one of those things that kind of stuck out is, you know, especially in DFS, those contrarian shootout spots, just two good teams really can, can sometimes, you know, be GPP winners. So, uh, you know, that's something to kind of, keep tinkering with going forward yeah didn't both teams outscore the the game total yeah 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 <laughs> like it was just nuts man a lot of people I think use the Vegas lines as like gospel and, and use them to kind of project touchdowns and points and all that stuff where and you and they're very accurate but there are going to be times when you know the lines are off and so you have to kind of think about that and, and think about certain spots where maybe the lines are off you can look at like the sharp money you know, where is it going? Is it going to the over or under and things like that? So something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. One, I just almost always blind bet the over at the Superdome anyway, just <laughs> just because. And uh, But I, I still wouldn't have expected Drew Brees to, to go off uh, the, the way that he did. But, uh, you know, thinking about the 49ers defense, Jaquiski Tart is a really important part of their defense against tight ends. The Saints had three touchdowns to tight yeah. ends this week. Their, their first three touchdowns were all to tight ends. I mean, at least at the beginning of that game, the 49ers really seemed to miss uh, Jaquiski Tart. So kind of interesting to see uh, how they will address that position moving forward. Let's get into the week 15 rankings that we have at the top of the rankings for quarterback. I mean, no surprise, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. Jackson is playing on Thursday night against the Jets. Russell Wilson on the road against the Panthers. Mahomes at home against the Broncos. I want to kick it to you first. Who are you relatively high on this week? I already mentioned him, but uh, Ryan Tannehill, top 10 QB for me this week. Uh, I think he opens up as my QB nine. They're at home against the Texans who just laid down and let Drew Locke uh, throw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns on them. So this is a great matchup. Um, and, you know, Derrick Henry, he's been dealing with that hamstring injury. And uh, he had, his last carry of the game was actually in the third quarter when it was a seven-point game. So I think typically we'd expect them to just give Derrick Henry, you know, 25 carries here. But – I think that they could limit him somewhat and just lean on Ryan Tannehill more in this game. So I think, you know, his floor and ceiling this week is pretty high. So I'm really high on Ryan Tannehill this week. I never thought I'd say that this year, but here we are. All right, Rayvon, what about you? So uh, David Blau, uh, you know, Tampa Bay has just been the ultimate pass funnel this season. And one thing we have seen with some of these young, unproven quarterbacks is that when they have good wide receivers to lean on, they, they tend to kind of target them a lot, and, and that can get them some numbers. So, you know, Tampa Bay has been a team that all year has been a top-five run defense. Uh, they're getting a little bit better in pass defense. They're not as horrible 
as they were maybe uh, around the midseason point, but they're still 25th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to opposing quarterbacks on the year. And uh, you don't really expect Detroit to get much going. You know, Bo Scarborough will probably get his 15 carries, but you wouldn't expect too much uh, production. So I think uh, with Galladay, Jones, Amendola, Detroit still has enough guys that can get open against that secondary that I think Blau could have a sneaky game. And uh, he's down at five points. 3k on DraftKings, so that's a, a sneaky play he's a, my qb 17 this week and i think even you know there, there's not many points separating uh like the qb 12 to 17 so uh, if you're desperate for for a streamer or something like that i don't think he's the worst option and i also think gardner Minshew and and Derek carr that could be a sneaky shootout game uh because again you know jaguars and i know there's no dj chart but the oakland raiders defense they get no pressure the jags defense has been horrible and so that usually you, you know, you need to kind of make up those points on the other side. So I think both of those guys could uh, could have some success, and, and they're pretty cheap as well on DraftKings. To your point about the Tampa Bay defense, they allow the most air yards and your yards after the catch combined to opposing offenses. So there could be a lot of shootout potential there uh, yeah. for Detroit. And then Narrative Street, this is the last game for the Raiders in Oakland. So, you know adjust your rankings uh the the guy that i'm relatively high on is deshaun watson uh who has been great as an underdog and also the big thing tennessee is down its top three perimeter cornerbacks uh and their uh, i mean their pass defense is the weakness in their defense anyway and then it's weaker than it typically is uh and normally i don't need much incentive to be pretty high on deshaun watson anyway but uh, I'm, I'm relatively high on him. I have him as the number two quarterback, and uh, both of you guys have him as the number four quarterback. Honestly, probably not that big of a, of a difference uh, in terms of, like, projected points there, but uh, I, would, I would put him ahead of some other guys this week, like, uh, like Russell Wilson or uh, Mahomes. I, you know, so he's, he's someone I'm relatively high on. Uh, Sean, who are you relatively low on? So I'm, I'm relatively low on Jared Goff this week. Um, we've seen him, I think, predictably have two good games uh, now uh, against uh, the Cardinals and Seahawks, who don't really generate much pressure. Uh, I think if you look at Jared Goff's game log, you can basically um, pinpoint when he's going to have a good game is against teams that don't really apply much pressure, and he struggles against you know teams that are you know a top ten team and pressure created and you know Dallas is better getting pressure than um, the previous two teams uh, that they ranked seventh this year at 25.7 I ran some regression tests on it and it's highly correlated you would expect Jared Goff to average about four less points this week against a team like that so on the road at Dallas it's a situation I'm fading Goff hopefully he'll be over owned due to the the previous two games um, where he's been on fire but uh, I have him all the way down at uh, QB 21 this week I'm there with you. I have Goff at – I hadn't really even looked at this all that much. I have Goff at quarterback 27. Oh, with, I just woo! saw that. Yeah, wow. That's, uh, that's probably too low. Probably going to need to adjust that. But uh, shooting from the hip, I'm, I'm with you on the, the fading Goff uh, bandwagon this week. Chris, what about you? Who are you relatively low on? So uh, I'm still, you know, mentioned that San Francisco missing a couple or, or at least banged up on defense. Looks like D Ford uh, is going to miss some more time. But uh, still fading that, that New Orleans outlier with Matt Ryan uh, this week. He's my QB 26. It, it just 
Calvin Ridley is out. That's an important piece uh, for their for their uh, pass game. Austin Hooper does a lot of his damage, you know, when they're trailing. So I think he can put up his numbers. But this is still not a situation where you feel too good about Matt Ryan. San Francisco can still get a ton of pressure. Matt Ryan, not a guy who uh, is that adept at moving around the pocket. And outside of uh, the Saints, San Francisco has really been lights out against quarterbacks that don't move. You know, the, their their worst games have been against Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Uh, and Lamar Jackson, and pretty much everybody else has struggled. So uh, Matt Ryan, I think it's still too much of a risk. GPP, in, in a DFS GPP, after, especially after last week, I think that's where you want to play him. But um, in season long, uh, I would fade him this week. All right, the guy I'm relatively low on, I already mentioned him, uh, Mahomes. Love Mahomes, great quarterback. Uh, but he has regressed some this year just in terms of his production, not, not in terms of his overall skill set, because I, I still think that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but just not quite as productive this year. Playing at Arrowhead, which actually is not a good thing, uh, especially in December. Uh, it starts to get really cold. Uh, both offenses, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs and the opposing offense tend to score fewer points there. And it's a tough matchup going against the Broncos, who are, you know, like in bottom eight in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. And typically we see see uh, in December divisional unders hit at a pretty high rate uh, just because you have two teams that are familiar with each other playing for the second time in the season both teams tend to just be worn down at that point I think they play a little bit slower with a little more uh, conservatism in terms of how they just want to approach the game so I'm thinking that that game will probably go under in their will just be fewer points that we see. So I still like Mahomes, have him as a top five quarterback, but I don't have him in the top three. So Sean, I'm going to kick it to you for our quarterback prop. By the way, everyone should check out the Fantasy Labs prop tool, which uh, going back to last season has a hit rate of 60% on the props that have a bet quality of 10. Sean, what do you have for us at quarterback? Uh, I've mentioned him probably 45 times already. We're, we're going to go back to him, Ryan Tannehill. So total passing yards at home against the Texans this week. His passing yard projection is never that high. I mean, his value has been touchdown passes and rushing yards. So I'm curious to hear where you guys have him on passing yards this week. Uh, I have it at 255 and a half. And I, ha- I have no clue if that's way too high or way too low right now. I have him at 276. Um, okay. His, and that, like, so Houston has just been, since they lost J.J. Watt especially, um, that pass defense has been really bad. And their DVOA over the middle is uh, league worst. And middle passing is essentially the most uh, efficient passing. Like, the worst defenses are bad over the middle. The best pass offenses are able to kind of get things going over the middle. And then, you know, I have Tannehill throwing for o- over eight yards per attempt in this matchup. 33 attempts and uh, all the way up at 8.4 yards an attempt. So, um, yeah, have him at 276. Sean, how many attempts do you have Tannehill projected for? I have him at 33.6, so pretty similar. Okay. I have him around 245. I'll take the under there. You're, you're pretty much splitting the difference between hey, us. Yeah, I think your line, your line might be uh, where uh, sportsbooks open up the player prop. I rarely bet the over on a – quarterback passing yards but I think this week if they open up Tannehill in the 240s I think I will pull the trigger on the over you made a good point though about about Derrick Henry because in the midst of Tannehill um balling out like Derrick Henry's been eating up a ton of yards on the ground as well like he's going over 100 every game so if he's hampered at all yeah uh, that's just more like yardage that that Tannehill may have to pick up because that offense seems to be efficient either way so 
yeah, there, there's some blow-up potential here for, for Tampa. And like like Freeman mentioned earlier, I forgot to mention it, but the, you know, A.J. Brown connection looks real. And he, he's one of the guys we're heading into my dynasty draft that really wanted to get him this year. But when he landed in Tennessee, I, I soured on him a bit. Now I regret it. You know, I didn't realize Tannehill would take over and <laughs> have a top-scoring offense here. So, uh, yeah, A.J. Brown, his breakout, I think, helps me – uh, have confidence in Ryan Tannehill going forward if this if this turns out to be uh, the last few weeks where they just blow up. Going back and looking at preseason rankings, I think talented receivers on bad pass offenses actually, or just guys with high um, draft pedigree, a lot of times those guys are in the best spot to succeed. Like, like it looked like, let's say, like Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown and D.J. Chark and Cortland Sutton. Like, those guys, you know, may kind of be like these middling picks that you don't really you don't know what to do with. But the bottom line is when there's kind of that target share up for grabs because it is a bad pass offense, he doesn't need to be uh, amazing to get, you know, 20, 23% target share, which is essentially what's going on with all these guys right now. And they're playing, you know, better than we thought. But that's something to keep in mind going forward. Yeah, I mean, that was basically the argument for A.J. Green at his peak. You know, like he was, <laughs> he was the number one guy with Andy Dalton as his quarterback. Like he could still produce. All right, let's right. talk about the, the running backs here. At the top of our rankings, we have Christian McCaffrey going against Seattle, Dalvin Cook going against the Chargers, and then Derrick Henry going against Houston. Sean, as you mentioned, Derrick Henry is uh, you know, seemingly there's a, an issue there. So everyone be sure to keep an eye on that. But uh, Sean, who are you relatively high on? Uh, so, I mean, I know this guy's turned into, you know, a meme on Twitter, but I, I am high on Patrick Laird at the Giants. Um, he's only 4,500. <laughs> I mean, he's probably going to be overall, let's face it. Uh, but, you know, once once Kalen Balazs went down week 13, I knew we had to take him seriously. Um, he's seen his routes run go up five straight games. It was up to 59% last week. He's, he's become the workhorse back, and there aren't many of those um, left in week 15. So we have to take him seriously. Even if he's inefficient on the ground, I mean, he has upside for five or more catches this week. The Giants have been extremely susceptible to pass catching backs. They've allowed six different backs to uh, catch four more balls last four games. Uh, we saw Boston Scott go off against him last night. So Patrick Blair kind of fits that mold of a player that could give the Giants fits. And at 4,500, I mean, he's a no-brainer uh, in DFS, in my opinion. Even if he's chalky, uh, I think that, you know, in a cash game, uh, I think spending down at running back to get him makes sense. Raybon, who are you relatively high on? There's, there's a couple of good um, cash game plays. I think Laird is definitely one of them. Chris Carson, 7.5K. Uh, he kind of – he bumps up to my running back eight this week. For, the, for one, Carolina is bottom five in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They actually give up the most uh, points to running backs in the entire league. There's no Rashad Penny now. Uh, and C.J. Procise, uh, he pretty much had one game where he was heavily used when Carson was in the midst of those fumbling issues. But – uh, in a game like this, Seattle still needs to to, to keep winning to to kind of get playoff seating. And, and Carson, they flashed a graphic on on the telecast last game. Like he's been getting more touches than than Marshawn Lynch in his prime. You know, well over twenty touches a game for Carson. So uh, like him to continue uh, to to be fed the rock and and, and smash in this spot. And then uh, Todd Gurley at six K. Uh, I think he's a, a really interesting play as well because you know Sean McVay said it. Hey. I was an idiot for not using Gurley more. Uh, Gurley's starting to look better. I, I mean, you know, Gurley looks better now than he did early in the season, and, you know, maybe that is because he didn't have the crazy workload like he usually does. But for whatever whatever reason, this is a game, a pick em, uh pretty high total at 48.5. Like, this sets up as a game where 
you know, they could lean on Gurley and he could get a, a lot of usage. And, and at 6K, uh, I think he's way too cheap. He doesn't have quite the, the pass catching upside that he's had in years past, only about 8.5% target share. But uh, he's seeing uh, well over 75% of the carries the last four games. So, uh, you know, he has major upside uh, in this spot in what could be kind of a, a close high scoring game. All right, the guy, uh, I guess two guys I'm relatively high on. One, if we get reports that Derrick Henry is, you know, practicing in full later in the week and, you know, it looks like he's going to be going, I like this spot for him as a home favorite and I don't have much respect for the Houston Texans defense and their ability to or inability to stop running backs. Uh, The other guy I'm relatively high on is Aaron Jones as a home favorite. Uh, You know, tougher matchup against the Bears, but, uh, you know, I think he's just going to get the ball quite a bit and uh, I like the opportunity that he has uh, potentially to uh, you know run up the score as once again a home favorite which uh, I think will benefit him nicely Sean who are you relatively low on uh, I'm gonna have to go against you there on Derrick Henry um, I, I know I get it it's, he's almost impossible to fade this time of year and I spent all uh, preseason saying he's probably the most likely workhorse back to play all 16 games. So I, I realize his hamstring injury is probably the equivalent of like a monster truck having a nail its tire. Um, it, it's probably not going to stop it, but <laughs> um, you know, I was watching most of that game and he, you know, after every drive they were showing him on the sideline working it and, you know, trainers around him. And then I, I mentioned his last carry was at the end of the third quarter. Uh, it was still a seven point game. So it definitely uh, impacted his, um, you know, snap count last week. And, um, you know, 8,500, uh, especially on a PPR site like DraftKings, I mean, he could disappoint even if he only gets one touchdown. So I just think at that price with, with the uncertainty, um, he seems like a easier fade this week. And I, I know it's tough, but I think that um, especially in DFS fade him. But season long, if you have him, uh, I don't care if you're in a two-team league, you're obviously starting this week, but just DFS at that price, uh, he's an easy fade for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you unless uh, we actually get confirmation that he had a full practice at some point this week. Like, if he has a full practice, then they're not concerned about him at all. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I don't think he is going to get a full practice. Yeah, so. yeah, it, yeah. yeah. And, and if you're right, then I will definitely be moving him down the rankings yeah. as the week progresses. Chris, who are you low on? Le'Veon Bell. Uh, so he's, he's obviously in the Thursday game. Uh, he, I have him fringe top 20 back this week. Earlier in the season, we liked Bell, even though the Jets' O-line was struggling, just because he was playing, you know, 90% of the snaps. He was seeing pretty much all of the, the running back usage. Uh, but he's been trending downwards in terms of his usage. For the season, uh, his carry share is around, his running, his carry share uh, in the backfield is around 75%. But uh, last four games, 72%, 58%, 46%, 67%. Uh, over the last uh, eight games, when Sam Darnold came back, uh, Bell's target share is down at 13.75%. Uh, you know, they're going downfield a little more to Robbie Anderson. They still got Crowder and, and Vincent Smith and, and Griffin came on. So uh, he, he's kind of a tier down from what he was earlier in the season in terms of usage. And now you're going on the road uh, to face Baltimore. The Jets are implied for only 15 points, according to the, the Vegas line. So it's not likely that he gets a touchdown. One of the most unlikely weeks that he were, that he's going to get a touchdown. And with the target share down, it's just not a good look uh, for him this week. And, um, and Joe Mixon kind of in the same boat. He's been coming on these last few weeks, uh, playing really well, still getting a ton of usage, about 84% uh, of the carries from week two on. He left, he left week one early, but 
another team implied for under 16 points are, are the Bengals. And I think, you know, Bill Belichick, they kind of scheme to take out, you know, the opponent's top threat. And when you look at this game, I think, you know, Cincinnati's receivers kind of banged up. They, they, New England has the cornerbacks to handle Boyd and whoever. So I think they're going to really kind of focus in on, on Mixon in, in, in that O-line and not really let them get anything going. So uh, Mixon, another guy, he's my RB24 this week, whereas he's been kind of in the top 20 these, these last few. Just a real quick question about Bell. Um, you know, you mentioned his usage has been trending down, but that was – he was uh... – you know, giving work to um, Blow Powell. If Blow Powell yeah. ends up missing this week, do you think that'll raise Bell for you in your eyes? Or, like, why was that? I don't know because, you know, they, they kind of – there was – like, midseason, they had, him and Gase had a conversation saying Bell wants to get more involved. But then, you know, it started to trend down again. And they still have – remember, they, they signed uh, Josh Adams. Like, they claimed yeah. him off the Eagles practice squad. And they gave him an active roster spot just so no other team would claim him. Uh, and, you know, Montgomery mm-hmm. – so – these last like few games, Adams, Powell, and um, Montgomery had been kind of mixing in with Bell, and then all of a sudden Adams went kind of AWOL. Just when you saw it, maybe he would get even more work. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily know, and I don't think you can trust it enough to say, hey, like he's going to go back up to ninety percent right. even if Powell's out because Montgomery and, and Adams were getting like four or five carries uh, these last few weeks too. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna keep him around. I, I have him at let's see, I have him at. 70 I have about around 71 percent carry share so only about five percent down from his normal average but the, the Ravens you know go, being a road underdog that knocks your 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 team uh, expectation for carries down a, a notch when you're such a huge road underdog as well yep totally all right the guy I'm relatively low on and I want you two to tell me why I am wrong but the guy I'm relatively low on is Saquon Barkley now I have to admit he's a home favorite well, let's just say that's trash, okay? The Giants, sorry, Rayvon. They trash. They should not be favored in <laughs> any game. I don't even care who they're playing. But they're, they're home favorites, but I don't give a lot of credence to that. They do have a great matchup. I, I have to admit that. They have a great matchup against the Dolphins. But does that even matter? Saquon Barkley has disappointed more than maybe any other player this year relative to the draft equity that uh, mm-hmm. he has, right? The investment you had to make in him to get well, him, he has disappointed. Johnson. Yeah, okay, that, okay, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, no, he did. Yeah. Okay, but, but yeah, that, that's second, fair. Second but, but I'll just say, like, Saquon Barkley went number one in a lot of yeah. leagues. Like, you passed on Christian McCaffrey to, to take Saquon Barkley. Like, if you have David Johnson, he's disappointed, but it's not as if you passed on Saquon or Kamara or even uh, Christian McCaffrey to get him. You have David Johnson because you have the number four pick. Like, that's, that's kind of how it is. Anyway, Saquon Barkley, he's disappointed so much this year. Even in a great spot, I, I don't feel I can have him in the top three. Like, I, I'm, I'll admit I'm too low on him. I have him number nine. That said, I just I don't have any faith in him or this Giants offense. Guys, tell me why I'm wrong. So, I mean, I, and I have him. He, he's number two right now for me, um, and that's – pretty much because Henry like not getting knocked down a tiny bit until we we know what's going on um I'll probably move Cook above him now that I think about it but see the thing is it's just the volume so uh you know when I when I start the week I'm just kind of you know projecting volume the way it's you know it's been going and since Barkley came back the last seven games uh the Giants have had 123 
backfield carries in, in those seven games that, that, that Saquon has been back. He, he's carried on 117 of those 123. So that's a 95% uh, carry share. And, you know, the other thing I think that's interesting to me is Eli, and I talked about this in the DFS breakdown, Eli Manning, he targeted Saquon, targeted Saquon about seven, uh, over seven times a game, whereas Daniel Jones is around six. So you could just get kind of that captain check down, EY, PPR type situation with Saquon. So, I mean, the matchup is there. You know, the Dolphins have been terrible. But I, I do agree. It's been, it's been extremely disappointing. But I just don't think you can fade the volume of a guy getting 95% of the carries against uh, the league's worst run defense. Yeah, I agree. I actually have number two as well, um, just to start the week. That I'm not saying it's going to end that way. Uh, but, you know, that high ankle sprain, we don't really know if he rushed back. Uh, he beat his timetable by a couple weeks, I feel like. Yeah. Um, so that could have been lingering. It might have been better for him to sit out another game or two. We don't know. Um, but, yeah, at home against the Dolphins, I mean, how can you pass that up? I think it's more of a DFS play at 7,700. He might be under-owned. Um, where he's not a season long sit start decision. And to be honest, if you have him, you probably, you're probably out by now. So, um, yeah, I think he's more of a DFS play this week where you're just banking on talent at home against the Dolphins. He's faced some tough, uh, run defenses lately. So I'm willing to overlook that. Um, but yeah, he's, he's actually the guy I have the prop for if we want to just settle it Yeah, let's um, go that way. So I have, um, his total rushing and receiving yards, uh, over under a hundred and a half. And if you're thinking that's weird, why not just make it 99 and a half? It's because every point matters for a player prop. As seen last night, I had uh, the under 66 and a half rushing yards for Barkley. Um, <laughs> he had 66 rushing yards in the third quarter, and he uh, proceeded to get zero rushing yards in the fourth. That's amazing. So I ended up winning the bet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, I, I think that's a really good line. And I have this at 100.1. Oh, see, you agree? <laughs> yeah. So I'll I'll take the under. Uh, yeah, I mean, he hasn't cracked a hundred scrimmage yards, uh, or he's only done it twice since week two. So I mean, we're we're kind of going out of our way by saying you know a hundred projected scrimmage yards this week. Where are you at, Raybon? I'm over. Um, I have him over a hundred. Uh, I have him at, and so again, this is kind of the opposite situation of of Bell, where uh, the Dolphins you know, facing the Dolphins as a home favorite kind of bumps up the, the team carry projection a little more. So I have them the, usually a, a league average team gets about 21 and a half backfield carries. Uh, and the giants have tended to be under that, but I have them a little over that this week and with Barkley getting around 95% of them. Um, I have them going uh, over that combined with the, uh, with the receiving. So I have them about buck, buck 10 actually. So yeah, I like them to go over, but yeah, it's been it's been the one thing I will say, he did smash the matchup against the Lions, and the Lions are another one of those teams that are just really bad uh, yeah. against running backs. So, you know, the Eagles are a tough team. You don't expect too much uh, against them. The Packers was the one that was really disappointing because he should have smashed that matchup. Uh, Bears tough matchup. So, and the Jets are a really tough matchup actually. So yeah, thirteen carries for one yard against the Jets. So that yeah, they yeah. they um had Gallman on the inactive list, which is weird. I mean, he's the main backup. Uh, so all they had was Elijah Penny, the fullback and Buck Allen back there. So yeah, he's, you could probably chalk him up to get, you know, a hundred percent of the, the carries this week. If, if they keep that up. Joining us to talk some NFL DFS is Peter Jennings, AKA CSU Ram 88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of fantasy labs. 
Pete, week 14, lots of injuries. How did you do? Ended up being a good week. Uh, I had a really good team on DraftKings and cash, won the four-man, and uh, yeah, trending right along. Good, good cash game week, not as good in tournaments. Uh, Kamara hurt me as well as some of the injuries, Devontae Parker specifically. All right, let's get into week 15. How do you think you are approaching cash games and GPPs? So this is a really good week uh, and a week that's going to be shaped a lot by injuries. So you know, recording this early in the week, uh, my plan is to just build the optimal teams like always. Uh, but the injury news and the way it shakes out could leave a lot of concentrated chalk, kind of like we saw with Bilal Powell last week. So pay attention to that. And uh, there's so much leverage in getting away from some of the chalk uh, that I think we could see this week, uh, depending on how the injury news breaks down. All right, let's start with quarterback. Who are you looking at right now? Very ugly uh, at the top for me in terms of value. I actually have Eli Manning as my top quarterback. Uh, Assuming he starts, this Miami team has just been so friendly and giving to opposing quarterbacks that I have a pretty high projection on him right now. So Eli Manning uh, is kind of the pay down option. I think Kyler Murray is an intriguing option kind of in that low to mid tier. And then if I'm paying up, uh, I'm probably going to pay up for – Deshaun Watson, maybe uh, Ryan Tannehill, who I guess is kind of in that mid-tier. I certainly like that game. It's a really important real-life game, and both those guys have upside with their legs. So quarterback, uh, I'm all over the place right now, but my top-rated points per dollar play is Eli Manning. What do you think about running back? Yeah, so running back, I think, is where we could see uh, a lot of different uh, players, you know, come to the fold. I've played Saquon Barkley a lot this year, and it's been terrible. I'm going back to him uh, this week against the Dolphins. I think just such a good right spot for this Giants team. So he's near the top. That same game, Patrick Laird, our Laird and Savior, is uh, an intriguing option. And then, of course, you have Christian McCaffrey, uh, encouraged by Todd Gurley's usage, uh, which I think is interesting. And then, you know, some of the other names that we've seen a lot, Zeke uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Cheap option I think is pretty interesting to me is Duke Johnson. Uh, He's been very efficient this year. Volume's really been the only concern. And uh, if he gets the volume, uh, I think he could be an intriguing play as well. What about wide receiver? So wide receiver, I mean, depends on how you want to stack things up. I think uh, everyone's going to look to all these uh, Giants guys. Darius Slayton coming off a really big game. I still have some interest in players like uh, Sterling Shepard. But other guys that are catching my eye, I'm interested in these Jacksonville receivers. If Shark misses, D.D. Westbrook and Conley are going to both be really strong plays. Uh, Robert Woods is still too cheap. Julian Edelman going against the Bengals. Uh, and I have to shout out Cortland Sutton, who has just been a ridiculous player all year. Uh, big-time second-year breakout. He's balling. And going against Kansas City, uh, I assume Denver's going to have to throw. And Locke's been actually somewhat decent so far. So certainly looking uh, at the Denver pass catcher, Cortland Sutton. And tight end, who do you like there? Yeah, I, I like two guys a lot at the top. Darren Waller, George Kittle. George Kittle, my favorite player in the NFL. Happy to see him win the game for San Francisco. What an amazing run he had. Uh, this Atlanta matchup's really strong, and I think uh, he's a strong play. And Darren Waller going against the Jags, who've just been getting trucked by everyone, uh, makes a ton of sense as well. If you're going to pay down, I think there's a couple options. We'll see what the Devontae Parker status is, but he's out. That's going to open up more targets for Gasicki. Uh, who's only 4K on DraftKings. You know, you have some other mid-tier guys that I think are interesting. Higby's been balling. He's only 3,900. O.J. Howard starting to trend in the right direction. He's 3,500. Uh, there's a lot of great options at tight end, and uh, I hope I can get up to Darren Waller and George Kittle, but a lot of nice options kind of in that low to mid-tier. All right, finally, is there a stack or two that you think might go under the radar? 
Yeah, this Jacksonville team, I think, makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, Minshew to Westbrook, Minshew to Conley, you can throw Fournette in the mix as well, uh, is interesting depending on Shark status. And I just like that game overall. So some sort of game stack there. If you wanted to go Derek Carr and Waller, I have no problem with that either. And, of course, we're going to be watching the uh, uh, Jacobs news as well. So if he's out, Rashard could be a bounce-back uh, candidate. And uh, DeAndre Washington, obviously, is another option too. So – I like stacking up that game uh, as we're recording here on Tuesday. All right, that was Peter Jennings with his DFS thoughts for week 15. Okay, let's talk about the wide receivers. The guys at the top of our rankings, Michael Thomas playing on Monday Night Football against the Colts. Chris Godwin uh, without Mike Evans playing against Detroit. And then DeAndre Hopkins playing against the Titans. Sean, who are you high on? Uh, I am high on uh, Cortland Sutton this week. Um, you know, if I told you that Drew Locke threw for 309 yards and three touchdowns and uh, Sutton had a dud, you wouldn't believe me, but that's what happened. Um, you know, I think he's due for a huge bounce back game. He's, he's ran a route on 100% of the dropbacks uh, the past three weeks. Um, you know, this, this is going to be a pass-heavy game script uh, against the Chiefs. So I think um, he might be under on this week. He's only 5,900. Um, and he's my wide receiver 12 to start the week. So expect a bounce back game from him. And then, you know, the uh, the Jaguars, uh, two receivers, D.D. Westbrook and Chris Connolly, they're underpriced because I believe uh, the D.J. Chark news wasn't announced until, um, you know, pricing came out that he was going to miss this week. Um, so, you know, both players get a boost for the Chark out. Uh, D.D., I would say, is the safer high floor option, uh, you know, more for cash games, for season-long fantasy at 4,600 on DraftKings. Well, whereas Conley, you know, he's more of the uh, dart throw high upside guy at 3,600. He'll be a popular GPP play this week. Um, you know, his ceiling's pretty high um, in, in that offense with Chark out. So I think uh, he'll be a popular play in DFS tournaments this week. Corbin Sutton has been a hard guy to rank this year with all the, the quarterback turnover, and he's been just making some big plays. So I'm looking at his wide receiver cornerback matchup. It looks like he'll probably match up with Bashad Breeland the most, who has 46.6 uh, PFF rating, yeah, bad. I'm looking at uh, Kansas City's DVOA versus number one wide receivers, and they're number one in the league, and they're giving up only 46.5 uh, schedule adjusted yards per game. So, any thoughts on like what is Kansas City doing to kind of limit uh, number one wide receivers? Yeah, I actually think he's going to play against uh, Charvarius Ward. Okay. Well, okay. So all of those cornerbacks, I think, are relatively about the same but they're like they're different in terms of their style of play. Kendall Fuller is the slot cornerback and then Bashad Breland is uh really not all that fast of a guy. Like I kind of don't understand how he still has a job <laughs> like to, to to be honest, but he's done better this year than he has in the past even though he has a lower PFF grade and like as you mentioned, uh against number 1 wide receivers, they've done well this year even though Breland has done poorly and so like I don't know if that is just sort of like uh, a discrepancy between the way that PFF grades and the actual production that we see from players on the field for lack of a better phrase like a shortcoming with PFF or if it's just kind of randomness in a 16 game sample so like I really I really don't know like do you have any opinion on on like what's going on there i'm looking at the numbers like guys who play in the slot as number ones have kind of had some success so keenan allen went eight for 71 and one julian edelman eight ninety five and one probably more randomness other than anything yeah. yeah i was just curious because sutton's been a guy that's just been like it's he's been really hard to rank for me who are you relatively high on this week 
uh, Darius Slayton. We saw him uh, have a big game on Monday night, and I didn't quite expect that. I had him ranked a little higher than consensus, but I didn't think he would have such a monster game just because Eli tends to check it down a little more and, uh, you know, there's going to be bad weather. But Slayton's really come on, and this is the time of year when we start to see these these younger wide receivers break out. Slayton's target share just keeps increasing. And, you know, even with guys that you would, you know, normally hog targets, you know, Tate, Shepard, um, he's played some games with Ingram, Barkley's been in there for, for a lot of the time. Uh, Slayton's been a number one, I mean, uh, a full-time player. And he's still, you know, his start, target share has been steadily increasing. And now he's going against the Dolphins. And um, this is a matchup where they, they get beat deep down the field. Um, they get beaten intermediate. Well, they really get beat everywhere. But um, I, I like Slayton to keep on, keep it going. He's up to a uh, 18% target share, and that's only with playing uh, running about 85% of the routes for the season. Whereas these last few games, he's been up uh, right near 100%. So uh, I, I think you you have, you have a lot of upside there with him because Tate and uh, and Shepard are, are more of underneath guys. And even if Engram comes back, I think. He's playing – he's still going to be a full-time player. So, uh, like him at 4.7K. Obviously, the pricing came out before his uh, his blow-up game last week. Also, like uh, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, I'm, I'm probably going to be higher on them than consensus, just like Blau. Uh, Tampa Bay, again, just a, a, a pass funnel with the top five uh, run defense and a pass defense that's uh, right around 20th in the league in, in DVOA. So – I think Gaude has, you know, number one overall wide receiver potential. And, uh, and Marvin Jones is in my top 20 as well. Uh, Tampa Bay 22nd versus both number one and number twos in, uh, in, in DVOA. Rayvon, I'm, uh, I'm with you on Slayton uh, going against a Dolphins defense that has allowed a millionaire maker winning wide receiver in four straight weeks, Ooh, which is pretty, like that. pretty incredible. John Brown in week 11, Jarvis Landry in week 12, Alshon Jeffrey in week 13, and then Robbie Anderson last week. So yeah, whether it's Slayton, Shepard, Golden Tate, Slayton is the guy I would go with out of that bunch because uh, I think he has the the most upside, like the highest volatility. And when looking uh, specifically at rookie wide receivers, um, you know, overall numbers and consistency is nice, but it's it's pretty rare for a rookie wide receiver to be all that consistent. And so when thinking about a guy's potential moving forward, I tend to uh, I, I try to find spike weeks. Like if a guy shows upside as a rookie, uh, I think that's pretty indicative of what he could do in years two through five. And Slayton has uh, had some massive performances this year, uh, three games with two touchdowns and two of those games had over a hundred yards receiving. Um, he's a, a legit player, I think for future seasons. And then this week against Miami, there is a lot to like about him. The Bucks and Dolphins are uh, 32 and 31 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So I'm, I'm, it's a wide receiver. So uh, Galladay's had a bunch of two uh, touchdown games as well. Like you could, and then AJ Brown, you know, we talked about Ryan Tanner, like Brown, Slayton, Galladay. I could see that being like the, the winning Millie maker uh, combination. Yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. Um, one guy I like quite a bit, don't need to kind of, touch on him too much because we've talked about him in past weeks but DJ Moore you know just uh, getting elite usage I don't fear the Seahawks Uh, I think they're going to be in a a situation where they're going to have to pass the ball quite a bit so uh, I just I like what he does and I 
I, I mean, I think it's too much to just lock him in as like a top five receiver each week. But I think at this point, uh, he's pretty clearly hard not to include in the top 10, just given his talent and then also the usage that he has. Sean, who are you relatively low on? And if you say DJ Moore, I'm going to drive to <laughs> oh, LA. It, no, I, yeah. no, I said, uh, I think it was like week 12. This is the last week DJ Moore is going to be under 6K on DK. And I think that's been true. So no, I love DJ Moore. Love that call. Um, I'm low on Cooper Cup at Dallas. Um, you know, I mentioned I'm low on golf in general this week. So the Rams passing attack, I'm going to be relatively low on. But uh, Cup oddly only played 29% of the snaps last week. Um, granted, they were mostly passing downs. He still ran around on 52% of the dropbacks. Uh, but right now, this offense goes through Robert Woods, uh, Todd Gurley, and even Tyler Higby right now. Um, so, you know, I was looking at the snap counts, and Johnny Munt, uh, the backup tight end, played 71% of the snaps, zero routes run. So they're just running more two tight end sets. And for some reason, it's at the expense of Cooper Cup. He's um, ran less routes than both um, Woods and even Brandon Cook the past two games. So we just cannot think of him as, you know, the top passing option going forward until this trend changes. So um, at 65K this week, uh, I'm fading him completely. Um, and I'm, I've been high on Woods lately, but, you know, this week I'm even higher on him. Uh, with this usage, I think they're going to continue that um, until it stops working. Um, and the other guy I'm low on is Stefan Diggs at uh, the Chargers at 7,300. He is way too expensive. Um, Adam Thielen should return this week. Who knows at this point? Um, but the targets are going to be pretty spread out if he does. Um, the Chargers have held seven of their last 10 opponents uh, to less than 185 yards passing. And, I mean, that includes recent games against guys like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and uh, future first ballot Hall of Famer uh, Drew Locke now. So, um, <laughs> you know, this is, the Chargers' defense in general is, is a situation I typically avoid. Um, you know, opposing passing offenses. So this week, Stefan Diggs is way too overpriced at 7,300. I have a, I have a hardcore nerdy projection question, but I mean, our, it's week, what, 15. So the people listening are probably pretty hardcore, but yeah. <laughs> for, for, for a guy like Cup, how much do you weight the most recent week's route percentage or snap percentage versus like his season long total? Well, I mean, you'd have to put it in context. So if he was hurt, obviously you want to just ignore it. Uh, but I haven't found anything um, saying he was hurt. So I, I, I'm going to weigh it a little heavier um, than normal. Um, so, I mean, weeks 11 and 12, he ran 100% of the routes. That's pretty much mm -hmm. what we expect with him. Then week 13, it was uh, 74%. And then last week, 52%. So, uh, I mean, I'll probably have it uh, around 70, 75 this week. Um, definitely it won't be around 50% again, but, um, it's just concerning to say the least. And, you know, Robert Woods has been the guy that's been averaging over 90, 95%. So I think it's, it's just safe to say that Woods is probably the top option and Cup is the second, uh, maybe, maybe even behind Tyler Higby at this point, to be honest, but we'll, we'll have to see if, if Gerald Everett comes back, that might change things, but it, it's concerning to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, that's like, I think I have it. Right now, his route's at around um, about 60. Well, my model has it around 63. I bumped it up. I think I'm bumping it up a little more. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question because it's like he's not hurt. It's just like yeah. one of those situations where is it just variance? Because he's still got – he still got targets last week too. So. Well, he, yeah, he got the touchdown, so it bailed people yeah. out. So I think people will just um, chug along thinking, you know, he's the same Cooper Cup when uh, there's very concerning uh, underlying usage uh, trends mm -hmm. with him. Agreed. 
Raymond, who are you relatively low on? Amari Cooper. Uh, and this is just uh, because of the potential shadow spot for Jalen uh, from Jalen Ramsey. We've seen Ramsey uh, and, and the Rams have a lot of success uh, limiting opposing number one wide receivers as of late. So, you know, I think Cooper is more of, uh, you know, like, a, a, just like inside the top 20 or around the top 20 uh, receiver this week and not a top 10 guy uh, that he's been most weeks just because uh, of that danger. I mean, we've seen Tyler Lockett get only 43 yards, Christian Kirk only 23. Uh, Marquise Brown got the two touchdowns, 42 yards. So that was kind of the outlier. But uh, general, uh, Allen Robinson only 15 yards on six targets. So that is something that I, I take a little more seriously with the Rams um, in, in this spot. And I think, you know, Dak Proscott and Cooper, the connection's generally been good. So I don't expect a total dud, uh, like on Allen Robinson levels. But I, I just think that uh, there's the potential there for more of a kind of middling uh, game for, for Cooper than more so than most weeks. All right. A, uh, basically, all of the wide receivers who are injured, uh, I'm just relatively low on. And, you know, their their rankings are going to change as, you know, we get more information throughout the week. But, uh, you know, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, I'm relatively pessimistic that they will play this week. Uh, so I'm already low on them. One guy, you know, who is playing, but I'm relatively low on, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, he has a great matchup against Arizona. Uh, I believe Arizona is – 32 in PFF coverage grade. I mean, like they are uh, without question, highly exploitable. The main question for me is whether he's going to get his targets. And uh, after, you know, the weirdness of last week, I think it could go either one of two ways. Like I think they could overfeed him and give him double digit targets, or I think they could just continue this slide that they've had. He's gone from 10 to eight, then six, and now five targets in the last month, right? Like there is a, a clear downward trajectory where he is just no longer the guy that they need to get targets to in their offense. They're targeting Jarvis Landry just as much, uh, sorry, more than uh, Odell Beckham Jr. And they're also relying quite a bit on their two running backs, uh, you know, both to, to run the ball and then also to get targets to Kareem Hunt. So, um, and David Njoku is coming back. Uh, he didn't get really any action last week, but it was his first game back. And now he has a very exploitable matchup uh, going against the tight end defense of the Cardinals. And uh, he could get a lot of targets that you think would maybe go to Odo Beckham Jr. So I know it's a great spot and, you know, he has the potential for blow up games, but things just seem to be going sideways with, uh, with the Browns. And I just, I honestly don't know if he's going to get the targets. That's the biggest question that I have. Like, wh what do you guys think about the targets? Well, I, I think that you, we found out that he's been dealing with sports hernia. I mean, he's gonna have to have surgery on it after the season. And I, I'm not sure if we know exactly when it, do you guys have any info on when that started? Um, Cause that might be able to explain some of it his. It seems like the beginning of the season. Yeah. Oh, okay. May so Mayfield kind of alluded to. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah, then who knows? I, I mean, I, I was, you know, I was high on uh, Beckham going into the season, but I still thought that, you know, Baker, looking at last year, he does like to spread the ball around, so it could be an issue for him. Um, and now Odell wants out. Uh, I have no idea what's going on, but like you said, this matchup, it's hard to ignore him completely. But it, I think it goes out saying if he busts this week, um, heading into the, the fantasy finals next week against Baltimore, he is going to be in sit-start decisions for sure. 
Um, so we can't anticipate that. But that, that's if he does this week. I, I don't see how he doesn't have a breakout game here. Um, like you said, maybe pepper him with targets to get him to stay next year. But it, it's a situation that uh, has a wide range of outcomes for sure. Yeah. I, I think Friedman's on to something because – for one, you know, Baker Mayfield kind of coming out and saying what he said about the injury, you know, should tell us a lot because, I mean, Baker Mayfield went out of his way to throw his own organization under the bus yeah. and essentially excuse Beckham and say, hey, like, he can't run as good. But he said even if he's – him not at 100% is still, it's still helping us. So that that's telling. And then, yeah, last season, um, one of the reasons that I was, you know, looks like mistakenly high on Baker Mayfield coming into the season was he had so much success – uh, targeting um, options other than his number one. I mean, he was averaging over nine yards of targets of Rashad Perriman, Antonio Callaway, Rashad Higgins, uh, Najoku, like pretty much everyone. But his, his worst numbers really were to Jarvis Landry as that number one. Uh, so Baker, and, and so this year we're seeing Landry have a lot of success. Um, and I think that's because defenses are still going to pay more attention to, to, to Odell Beckham. And Baker Mayfield kind of excels at, okay, the defense – and maybe it's probably Freddie Kitchens has something to do with this as well. Um, but, you know, okay, you know, defense is going to focus in on our number one guy. We can scheme other guys, um, you know, efficient targets. And so now you have – you know, Patrick Peterson has been really bad this year. But, you know, this is a situation where, again, if, if Kitchens and Mayfield are looking out and saying, okay, Patrick Peterson still has the reputation, you know, he has five, six bad games, but – they're still looking at him as this is one of the top corners in the league and he's on Beckham. I think it could just be another one of those games where, yeah, they, they go other places and probably have some success. Arizona's been really bad against the pass overall, but I, I could actually see uh, like not too great of a game uh, again for him. And with, um, with Kareem Hunt back, the Browns are averaging only 32.4 pass attempts per game, you know, since, uh, since Hunt, came and they're averaging more running back carries their running back carries have gone up so not looking as promising for Beckham as we may think despite the uh the matchup I did different receiver for our wide receiver pots but I think I'll throw a Beckham out there for us to settle this <laughs> all right here's here's one more uh quick thought on this to undermine my own perspective that this might not be a great spot uh Patrick Peterson has been so bad mm -hmm. this year that for the past two games they haven't even let him shadow they've just put him on one side of the field and just say okay you stay at left cornerback so we know for sure or it it seems likely if the usage continues that we're not going to see Pat, uh, Peterson shadowing Beckham. So, uh, and Beckham tends to line up on the other side of the field. So maybe we'll actually have Beckham uh, in the best possible situation he could mm -hmm. be in for this spot. Sean, go ahead. So uh, let's see what you guys think about this line. But in, in honor of Saquon Barkley last night, I'm going to go 66 and a half receiving yards. Uh, but you guys all laid out great points, and it just shows sort of the uncertainty in this. So curious where you guys have him right now. I have them a little bit over, actually. Um, the Cardinals have been really bad, just period, against quarterbacks. So uh, I, I do have them uh, right at around 70. And uh, maybe I'll lower it, but right now, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I have them a bit over. He's my wide receiver 18, so I'm not totally down on him or anything. I just don't yeah. – I have Landry at seven, so I do have a, a good bit of separation uh, between the two. Sean, did you adjust this line at all based on no, our conversation? I mean, I had it at uh, 64. Uh -huh. You know, that's just rolling over the model to the next week, not putting yeah. too much thought into right. it. Uh -huh. uh, but, you know, what, what you said about Patrick Peterson makes sense. And 
Um, I, I don't know. I just think 66 and a half. I would say Raybon is probably um, right. I, I would say if they played this game a thousand times, his average would probably be low 70s, but his medium would probably be in the mid 60s, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah. It's yeah. a wide range of outcomes. Yeah. Uh, I have it at 67 and a half. We're really close. Um, I, I guess I would take the over, although I don't want to. <laughs> right, right. You would rather have like a over 80 and a half at like plus 200, right? Right, yeah. Something where, yeah. yeah, like a higher payout for a ceiling game. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a tough projection this week for sure. How much? How many uh, passing yards do you guys have, uh, Baker? 270. Yeah, I'm at 277. And that feels high just given the, the, the lack of attempts. But Arizona just – they bump him up a little bit in terms of, of attempts, and then they bump up his YPA a little bit just because they've been such a, a good matchup. So, yeah, yeah and, and like Freeman mentioned, you know, Joku, he, he you know he shook the rust off last week, but he should be closer to 100% this week, so that helps significantly against you know the Cardinals uh, this week. So yeah, that that could help boost him more. But yeah, he's he's a tricky projection this week as well. Yeah, I have 265. I mean. Pretty pretty close. We're all in the, the neighborhood there. Uh, let's close it out with tight ends. Uh, the guys at the top of our rankings, Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller. Sean, who are you relatively high on? Um, so I, I'm pretty high on uh, Jacob Hollister this week at Carolina. Um, he's only 3,800. Um, and he's had a disappointing three-game stretch. Not going to sugarcoat that, but his underlying usage has been pretty steady. He's, he's run around on 82% of Russell Wilson's dropbacks each of the last three games. Um, he's seen a red zone target in each of the last five games. So he has that steady underlying usage you want to see out of a tight end, especially a cheap one. Um, and Russell, in a Russell Wilson offense, you don't really need to see that many targets to have value, and he's averaged six targets the past three games. So I think he's a sneaky play this week where he's, he's due to have a big game, um, and he could be under-owned at a cheaper price like 3800 I don't really like the tight ends like this week, so um, all signs point to Holster for me this week to buy low. And I should say, uh, in between the time that I uh, have recorded the podcast and when I made the outline, Sean, you have adjusted our rankings, always adjusting our rankings. That's what makes him a professional. Uh, but uh, as a result, Zach Ertz is actually uh, our number three tight end, not Darren Waller. Yeah, I did that because of yeah. the, the Eagles wide receiver situation being yeah. so thin. And with Waller specifically, just a real quick point, I've always mentioned um, he, he has less production in games where the, the Raiders um, are winning. So a positive game script is actually negative for him and this week they're six point favorites so take of it what you want all right uh and, and i'm with you there uh i'm relatively high on Ertz and goddard uh this week uh because of of the eagles wide receiver situation uh alshon i'm assuming is going to be out in Aglor. we really don't know what's happening with him either so yeah it wouldn't be a surprise if Ertz and goddard were like the, the top two receivers for the eagles this week uh raybon who are you high on uh, I mean, this, yeah, it's, it's an ugly tight end slate. Um, there's a couple of guys who, you know, if they are not injured, I, I, I do like them as top 10 guys. Uh, and that would be Jared Cook and Noah Fant. Now, both, like, both of them could miss this week, which would kind of change up the ranking. And then Greg Olson's my number 11. So um, if those three guys are out, then, then Hollister jumps from, uh, from 12 to nine for me. So I, I like that call from Sean, but uh, a, Another guy I'm relatively high on is Johnu Smith. And uh, he hasn't been – like the routes have been up and down since Delaney Walker um, went on IR. But he's been targeted on 15% uh, of Ryan Tannehill's targets since Tannehill took over as a starter, which uh, against Houston, 
could pay off in a major way because Houston is just, uh, as I mentioned, their weakness is really over the middle of the field, and uh, that's where you would expect uh, John U. Smith to, to to get his target. So I have him up at number 14. Houston is their their short middle DVOA uh, per football outsiders is 60, 65.6% worse than league average. Uh, and the next worst team is, is 30.9%. So they're just getting gouged over the middle. And that could, um, you know, that could benefit a couple of guys, like maybe Adam Humphreys if he's back. But uh, do like Smith on this kind of bare tight end suite. And I think another guy kind of just a dart throw Hail Mary guy, uh, especially if, if Seth the Valve is out for the Jaguars, a uh, Nick O'Leary, it was up to 60% route share last week. Now he's going against the Oakland Raiders and DJ Chark is out. So somebody's got to catch the football. Uh, you know, for these Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, O'Leary could be a guy who could get, you know, five, six catches, garbage time. Jags defense has been bad. Raiders uh, giving up the eighth most uh, schedule-adjusted yards per game to uh, tight ends at six, uh, 60.8. So um, he's kind of a dart throw for me at, at 3,100 as well. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of with you there on O'Leary. Like, uh, he's, he's getting his routes run. Someone has to catch the ball, presumably, for the Jaguars. So uh, he's, he's cheap. He could be an option. Uh, all of the injured tight ends, uh, I'm, you know, relatively low on. We have no idea what's happening with Ingram, Cook, Andrews, Olsen, Fant, or Everett. Like, it's, uh, it's a painful week out there for the tight ends just because of so many injuries. And then one guy we know is probably going to play um, and I mentioned him earlier, David Njoku, like he's healthy, but he didn't play all that much last week. I'm assuming he's going to get a pretty big boost this week, but uh, we don't know for sure. So there's just like a whole bunch of, um, I don't know, just like tentative projections going on yeah. with some of these guys. And, and so the rankings are going to change pretty drastically by, by Thursday and then, of course, the weekend. But right now, like I know that Unjoku has massive upside against the Cardinals, but uh, I'm going to be a little bit cautious with my, my ranking on him just because he does have the possibility of like once again running like only 10 routes. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I am. Sean, give us the tight end prop. Let's go with Njoku. I think that's a good prop. Sticking with the Browns uh, being really tough to project this week. Um, Njoku's facing the Cardinals, which is the premier tight end matchup. So uh, I'm just going to wing it right now. I'm going to set his line at um, 32 and a half receiving yards. I mean, <laughs> and I would not offer that up for um, yeah. action. <laughs> just put that out there. Yeah. I mean, this is so hard. I have the, I'm going to go under, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go under. Uh, just because I, I don't know why that's what I have in my projection. And like, I, I think it is possible. He doesn't play all that many snaps again, you know, like they, they have other options. They have Ricky Sills, Jr. Uh, Ricky Sills, Jones. Jones. Yeah. They have <laughs> revenge game. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. In the revenge game, they have Ricky Sills, Jones. I didn't even think about the revenge game. Oh, well, um, okay. All right. I'm yeah. lowering the prop. Uh, yeah. You got me there. Uh, D- Demetrius Harris. Uh, you know, I think he has a shoulder issue, but he might be coming back for this game. Like they have other options where they don't need to rush and Joku back. So I'll, I'll take the under. I have him at 33.6 and I have him and that's so I'll just like just over by a yard. So I'll go over. Uh, I just essentially for his, so he ran a route on uh, a third of the the dropbacks last week. Uh, And then in his only like healthy game, he ran around on route on 70%. So I just kind of took the average of those two and and it's 52. 
Um, and so he, that's where I have his routes run. And he, so that projects him for uh, about a 13% target share. So that like, that's how I kind of arrived at that number, but I have him at three catches for 33.6 uh, yards. So you're going tight over? 18. Yeah. Over okay, by yards. Cool. It's my tight end 18. But yeah, if like, if, if Engram Andrews cook fan are out, he would go from, he would jump up four spots. So then he would be 14. So, I mean, I think he's definitely in the streamer conversation. Like, uh, this week and another guy like Tyler Higby as well. Um, if if Everett is out, it's another guy. Would oh yeah, massively. Yeah. Would love Higby in that spot. That's the show. That's going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.